Replicating the Lost Earth Archive. Tabulating Catalog. Volume 1. Futures Incorporated. Part 9. The Refuge. Written and read by Margaret Pennycook. I lifted my chin high and aimed a long look at Windrush. See, I told you I am not a child. Not Angel also looked at Windrush. Trill is much, much older than she thinks and says. How can that be? said Windrush. Not Angel sat back down on the sofa. I told you, Leets had all sorts of demands when we came into the tower. They wanted to live forever. We couldn't manage that, but we were able to extend their lives. In addition, many Leet women recoiled at the thought of bearing children, so they were happy to let us develop the next generation through genetic technology that didn't require human hosts. We also slowed their body checks, so they would age very slowly. It's related to the system that allowed me to remain in stasis until now. That's silly, I said. I would know if I was old. I remember my own life. Windrush nodded. Surely, she said, and looked from me to Not Angel, who shook her head. Human memory is very strange. When a human is young, it meets experiences for the first time, and those memories are seared into the brain. You have festivals outside. Something happened to Windrush. She smiled and looked as if she was remembering something she liked. Oh, yes, there are quite a few, but the biggest ones are for each season. People dress up as characters from stories. We eat special foods for each time of year. There are parties where people sing and dance. There are ceremonies to remind us of what an amazing world we live in. Not Angel also smiled. Sounds like our traditions have survived in some form. She looked at Windrush. And which were your favourite ones? Oh, so many, said Windrush. They sort of run together. All the lovely times with family and friends, gathering plants for each season, decorating our homes, drinking my parents' secret recipe for spiced brindleberry juice. I remember when I was really small being taken to the lighting of the stones for the first time. I've been so many times since then, but I'll never forget that first time. I can feel the cool of the morning air and the clothes I was wearing. When I was ten, I was picked to be the lady who brings the light in our community celebration. It was such an honour. Exactly, said Not Angel. You remember those occasions because they stand out from many happy times. You were only chosen once. Of course, you could only be the lady who brings the light once. It was a rule. We have Foundation Day, I said. We put decorations up too. Not Angel looked at me. Which one do you remember most? The last one, I said. My androids didn't come. It was two different ones, like Freddy and Elspeth. They bought me a picture, Girl Before a Mirror. I hated that painting. You see, said Not Angel, because it was different, it stuck in your mind. I'm sure all the others, when your androids did come and everything was much the same, like for Windrush, have all run together. I frowned. I understood what she was saying, but I didn't like it. How many times did you go to Wimbledon? Once, I said, the day before all this horrible stuff started to happen. I remember it very well. We'd had enough of trying to change runners to achieve different results at the Olympics. 
we decided to do it with tennis players. It had more variety. And why did you go to Wimbledon? It was the best place for tennis. Tennis? said Windrush. A long-lost sport, said Not Angel. The fact that Trill liked it speaks very well of her. That was a compliment, I knew, but I didn't let her see it pleased me. We wanted to match two great players from different eras against each other and see who won. We had strawberries and cream. We sat in the royal box. Blynn had a lovely new dress. Crandall wanted to go to Paris next for tennis there. But we couldn't because everything went wrong. See? I remember. Not Angel lifted a finger into the air and seemed to be listening to something. You went to Wimbledon forty-five times. You ate many units of strawberries and cream. Blynn wore the same new dress every time. You never chose to go to Roland Garros in Paris. You went to the Olympics a hundred and ten times. I wanted to fly at her, but even in my upset state, I remembered she might infect me. That's not true. It can't be. Ask them. Ask Crander and Blynn. They were there with me. Not Angel wrapped one hand over the other and looked down at her fingers. I'm sorry, Trill. Blynn died several years ago. What? I cried. What? She can't have. I saw her at Wimbledon just a few days ago. You're lying. She looked at me, and her eyes really did seem to look sad. Blynn's genetic program developed a fault. In the past, we would have said she was very ill. Various techniques were used to try and cure her, but when it became obvious the situation would become fatal, she decided to die before pain set in. She had lived many years, just like you. There was plenty of data to enable your belief that she continued to live. After all, you were always on the vert with Crander and Blynn. You never touched each other, could never offer a helping hand, never needed to. A big hollow space opened inside me. I minded that Blynn had gone without telling me. Why hadn't I known? Why did I mind so much? I sat down in the chair. Windrush approached. Again, she placed her hand on my back. This time I didn't shake her off. I'm so sorry, Madam Trill. You've learnt so many difficult things in a short time. It must be very upsetting. I was not aware of many of them. I feel somewhat shaken and it's not about me. She glanced at Not Angel. Dr. Yates, this has taken rather longer than I expected. Madam Trill has not eaten for some time, and I feel these shocks are having an effect on her metabolism. Come to that, I haven't eaten for some time either. There are some facilities, I believe. Not Angel stood up. I also need sustenance. Come with me. Windrush took my hand and helped me to my feet. I barely resisted the contact, though I recall how smooth and warm her hand felt. Not Angel headed out of the circular garden. We followed her through some winding pathways to a large carved wooden door set in a brownish wall. We followed her. She opened the door in the same way Windrush had on the way in, by moving a bar. Inside was a room with walls of white, set with blue and yellow patterned squares. What looked like late afternoon sunlight glowed through windows with deep sills. Pictures of places and people hung all around. Cushioned ledges in blue and white offered places to sit. In the centre stood a dark-coloured table with upright but soft chairs. The temperature felt comfortable. You find a comfy place, said Windrush. Dr Yates and I will make a meal. The two of them moved to what I assumed was another room. I had no urge to see what they were doing. 
I found a place on one of the ledges. I stared intensely at the pattern on one of the cushions. It felt like all I could think about, and yet, from the edges of my mind, so many ideas were pushing at me. I felt so weary. Lynn dead. Windrush thinking I'm a child. Not Angel telling me I'm many years older than 30. I felt so confused. Part of me wanted to be angry, but I just couldn't find the energy. Windrush strode in. Madam Trill, the food is almost ready. Would you like to be refreshed in an HF? I stood up. My legs felt weak, but I declined to accept the hand she offered. She showed me to the HF down a short passage and ushered me through a doorway. I walked ahead of her. The place looked clean, but perhaps a little old-fashioned? Windrush seemed to know I found some of the systems puzzling. You actually had to cleanse with water. Do you see, she said, you wave your hand here and the water comes out here. Wave here to dry. I think so, I said. Let me know if you need anything. I turned to look at her, then stepped back, startled. There was another person behind her. Who is that? The figure, small, thin and female, with wispy red hair pushed behind her ears, down to the base of her cheek, pointed at me. Her clothes were just like mine. Sorry, said Windrush. There, there behind you. I stepped further back. So did the stranger. Windrush turned. Oh, she said. That's you, of course. Would this day of shocks never end? Windrush came and stood beside me. It appeared she had a double further down the room. The double lifted her hand. See, that's me, waving. I turned and looked at her. She stared straight ahead and waved her hand. Then she turned to me. You haven't seen a mirror before, have you? She sounded surprised. I moved behind her, so she stood between me and those other two people in the room. That's a mirror? It doesn't look like the one in the painting. She lifted both her hands, now curled into fists. Oh, for the love of Mother Earth! I thought I was well prepared for this, but there's so much I don't know. No one told me you had no idea what you really look like, or that you are not what you seem. She let out a long sigh. But this must be so much worse for you. I suppose you always looked at yourself through a vert, so you saw whatever you expected. I shrugged. Maybe. Yes, I, I think so. I kept that other person out of sight. A mirror reflects light back at us. It's not quite accurate as it doesn't show us exactly how we look, because it's a reverse image. But people have used them for thousands of years to see what they look like. Those moving pictures over there are of you and me, right now. We are the only people here. Are they alive? What happens when we aren't here? Where do they go? She crouched in front of me, so now I looked straight at her. They are only here when we are here. They come with us. They are alive because they are us. There is no need to be afraid. I promise. Look. She stood again and tugged me towards the mirror. I tried to hold back, but she was so strong. The people in the mirror came towards us. The young female looked scared, just as I was. 
Windrush put one arm behind me, holding me just in front of the frightened girl. With her other arm she stretched her hand towards herself, and met what looked like the same hand coming back. See? It's solid. It's not another long room like this one. It is this one. Then she moved her hand until it seemed to touch the girl. The girl didn't seem to notice, but stared back at me, still so scared, so scared. The image that looked like Windrush moved her lips. Tell her your name. I took a deep breath. The Irish Corks had said I could trust Windrush. My name is Trill. The girl's lips moved as minded. Without thinking, I lifted my hand and touched her palm as it came towards me. It felt cold and hard. She's not real, I said. Yes, Madam Trill, she is. She is you. You are real. You are a very real human being. She is a real reflection of that in a real mirror. Her hands settled on my shoulders and we looked at each other for some time. And you're a human too. Not an android, but we look so different. I turned to the mirror. I looked so small and pale compared to her. There are plenty of ways for people to look. She tilted her head. So, how did you think you looked before you saw this? I shrugged and looked back at the girl in the mirror. Taller, like her, but older. My hair was never that colour. Windrush must have detected some disdain for my appearance. But you look wonderful. You just don't have the body of a woman yet. Didn't your android Sheila have red hair? Oh, yes, but her hair was thick and beautiful, like I thought mine was. I touched my chest. Yes, the girl in the mirror did too. I thought my breasts were a bit fuller. Not quite like yours, but fuller, a pretty shape. She laughed. And I'm not a pretty shape. Oh, I didn't mean... Of course you didn't. Look, use the facility. I'll wait here for you, and then we'll go and eat. I think we both need to be fed. I didn't think I could eat. After the way the world had turned upside down. But when we reached the table, Not Angel was spooning some kind of mixture into bowls from a big pot at the centre of the table. It smelt delicious, and my stomach rumbled at me. I sat at one end of the table, with the others either side facing each other. I ate carefully. The mixture was a bit hotter than I expected, and I yelped a little when I took the first bite. Sorry, Trill, said Not Angel. I forget others don't enjoy their food at the same temperature as me. It's how I like it, said Windrush. But do be careful, Madam Trill. Drink some water. I didn't notice straight away, but gradually I realised Windrush wasn't quite as talkative with Not Angel than she had been earlier. Not Angel asked her things about the outside, which Windrush answered, but the conversation seemed difficult, as if Windrush just said the minimum necessary. At last she pushed her bowl away and threaded her fingers together on the table. Dr Yates, as I mentioned earlier, I have been training for years for this moment, and yet I'm not sure that training has properly prepared me for where we are now. Not Angel also pushed her bowl to one side, crossed her arms, and leaned on the table. Go on, I'm listening. Windrush took a long breath. 
I'm part of that special institution that you yourself set up, in the name of the company. As you said, you believe there should be some oversight on what you and others in your team of resistors did. I thought you were the good people, and yet now I have so many questions. Not Angel nodded. Like? Why did you decide the tower must be emptied? Couldn't the leets go on living in it as long as they left us alone? The older woman looked up at the ceiling, but I don't think she was really looking at it. No, they could not be left alone. The building of the tower itself had drained many of the resources we had, and though it was run using renewable energy, there were many other resources they still took from us, such as air and water. They still dumped their sewage on our country, poisoning the land. We did what we could to change those things. We took contaminated air and filtered it so it became breathable, replaced many of their water needs with other systems, so the many showers they took a day were performed by technology that didn't require water. She spread her hands. We introduced virtual technology so they didn't steal materials to indulge their whims for this or that. Do you know there was an enormous lake in this tower, over 30 units long, where people zipped up and down in their fast power boats. With vert technology, they could zip along seashores and great lakes without water or a boat. We introduced plant substitutes so they didn't imprison animals in cruel conditions, just so they could eat meat. Windrush shivered. Meat? They ate meat? Aye, they did that. What's meat? I said. I think they'd both forgotten I was there. It's the flesh of animals, said Windrush. Cooked, usually, said Not Angel. Wasn't sure I completely understood this, but by the way they both reacted, I didn't think I wanted to know more. Not Angel continued to speak. We found ways to take care of the leets, serve them with artificial intelligence and robots, so the humans they had kept in near slavery could be released and allowed to live the lives of quality. I curled up in the chair and watched as Windrush considered Not Angel's speech. It sounds, she said, as if you fixed what was wrong mostly. Thank you, said Not Angel. We did, in many ways, but not everything. Some things threw up new problems, and some things couldn't be fixed. Tell me, said Windrush, apparently forgetting about me again. The major problem lay in why the tower had been built in the first place. It had been a means of escape for the wealthy, from the dreadful things that were happening to our planet. Their tiny numbers grew rich by taking from the rest of the people and by polluting the earth. They believed they shouldn't have to suffer from climate change, even though they caused it. Didn't humans as a whole cause it, said Windrush? Only when they fell for the promises of an easy life in the future. They were told, buy this device or that, and you'll have more time for leisure, and you'll be happier. Only too often it meant more time for working to earn riches for the owners of companies. Not Angel had stood up, as if her words had carried her. Ever since humans started farming and building towns and cities, there've always been these people who fooled others that they were somehow more deserving of comfort. Many achieved their positions by violence, by having better physical strength or weapons. Others did it by skillful manipulation. Kings, emperors, czars, rajas and commissars. They all found ways to make the ordinary people do what they said. She started to pace the room now. 
Many of them used religion to support their status. I am king because God wants me to be. Look, my chief priest says so. Some even believed they were gods. Pharaohs and Mikados claimed all sorts of idiocies. They used the magic of money. He walked up to Windrush. So, yes, maybe it was a good idea to shut them away in their great tower, where they couldn't spread their lies to harm us outside. And we did do that, when they begged us to help them. We made them a heaven on earth, a paradise of eternal pleasure. Well, almost, so they wouldn't want to come outside. She sat down again, pulling her chair up close to Windrush. When they said they didn't want to procreate in the natural way any more, they agreed we could use biotechnology. Hence we made the new generation of leets with their approval. Who would have those very long lives they craved? We used leet eggs. We devised ways of keeping their offspring's need for energy low. We had the vert. We kept them from developing fully, so they consumed less and had no sexual appetites. Actually, many of those pampered leets we rescued seemed little more than children. They were so consumed with their own selfish pleasure. I sat up. What's wrong with pleasure? As I suspected, they had forgotten me. After a startled look slipped across her face, Not Angel closed her eyes before opening them again, once more looking at the ceiling. How to explain thousands of years of human existence? Quite a challenge. Windrush shook her head. I don't know where to begin, she said. I don't think I can explain it simply or easily. Not Angel nodded. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. Pleasure should be part of human life. It's when pleasure is the be-all and end-all of existence. When pleasure comes at the pain of others, it's wrong. When privilege means an easy life free of pain and illness because you could buy what it took, but others couldn't and died unnecessarily and you didn't help because you wouldn't share. That's wrong. But we deserved it, I said. Leets are better people. Adam Douglas said so. Windrush leaned towards Not Angel. Some of this is your doing, Dr. Yates. Take Madame Trill. She had no idea what she really looked like till she just saw herself in the mirror. She had no idea she was much older than she looks to you and me. She seems to have been manipulated to be something she isn't. How could she know there is more to life than pleasure? She's never known love or affection. Human touch causes her to flinch. You did that. Quite right, said Not Angel. She and others like her were part of a holding pattern. We carried out the leet's orders, but we used those orders to find our own way. To do what? said Windrush to try and rid the human race of their pernicious presence. I couldn't believe it. Now it was me who stood. You are trying to kill us. Not Angel also stood. Like Windrush, she was taller than me, but not so strong-looking. No, no, we're not trying to kill you. We're trying to save you from them. I ignored her. You made the tower shut down. You made it so we had to run for our lives. Me, that leet Sarah, what happened to her? And Crander, where is she? Did you make Blin die? She may not have looked as powerful as Windrush, but now her voice took on a new low sound that made me pause. No, you listen to me, Trill. 
I already told you, we would not have let you die. She paused, and I felt as if her words fell upon me and slipped into me, somehow stopping my flow of anger. It's true, we made the emergency happen, but you've always been watched, and even though your angel disappeared, other systems were making sure you came to no serious harm. Some of you responded with intelligence and imagination to the emergency, you and Sarah, for example. Some, like Cranda, did less well, but she has been removed from danger. Windrush raised her hands. Please, let's all calm down. Dr. Yates, Madam Trill, please sit down. I did as she said. So did not Angel. You know about Sarah, I said. It was so hard to ask, but I had blurted out Sarah's name, but not Angel already seemed to know about her. Why hadn't I mentioned her? Hidden her, in fact. We do, said not Angel. Do we, said Windrush. I have been following her progress individually. You're also aware of her, but only as one of those leets on the move. She and Trill encountered each other. Not Angel looked at me as if she were waiting for me to continue. You met her, said Windrush. I sank further into the chair. Yes, sort of. What happened, said Windrush. I sat up a bit. We bargained. I gave her a drink. She showed me how to tie a knot. It's what you and I would call helping each other, said Not Angel. But to be fair, neither of them have ever done it before. Sarah seemed a bit better at the bargaining than Trill. She ended up gaining more, I suppose. What do you mean? I said. Well, said Not Angel, it wasn't quite equal, was it? You gave her a drink and the instructions for gaining the chamber. She told you how to tie a knot. For some reason, my cheeks felt hot. You could say that, said Windrush, but you can only drink once or enter the chamber once. You might need to know how to tie a knot many times. Indeed, said Not Angel. So, no need to feel embarrassed. I didn't know what she meant. You both gained, said Windrush, so that's fair. That wasn't what really lay at the bottom of my reluctance to talk about Sarah, but I let them think that. So, said Windrush, if you met and helped each other, how come you didn't know Leets were, well, not adult-looking? It was all in a shadow, I said. We didn't want to be too close to each other, so it was at a distance, too. But she said she had seen me in the chamber, in the light, so she knew what I looked like. Maybe that's why she sounded as if she wasn't so afraid. She did threaten to come closer. I thought it was because she knew I was damaged. Oh, said Not Angel. Why did she need to threaten? My cheeks betrayed me again. It was just part of the bargaining, I said. Windrush raised one eyebrow and looked at Not Angel. Not Angel pursed her lips and shrugged. I felt they were passing secret signals, but I didn't know what they were. It seemed such a long time since I'd met Sarah, but it had only been this morning. It had been a very brief but important encounter. It made me feel better, knowing she too seemed to be safe. Right, said Windrush. She turned her focus from me. I have a question. As I said, I don't feel my briefing on this situation was all it could have been. And as you've been shouting at each other, it has occurred to me neither of you have mentioned male leets. I was told to prepare for females, and I assumed others would supervise males. 
but I'm just wondering what has happened to them. Not Angel tilted her head. There are no elite males left in the upper tower. Those young males who protested and survived the revolution were given the choice of remaining in a lower part of the tower and living out their ideals, or, after careful testing, going outside. We cut them off from the old elites so they wouldn't be threatened by them. Those who set violence on them were encouraged to live out their lives in comfort until they chose otherwise. In other words, they died out. We took genetic material to create Trill's generation from those young males who showed no signs of wanting to dominate those around them, but who demonstrated compassion and care for fellow humans and others. But you didn't develop any new males? No, it was too dangerous. I'm not saying females can't be as nasty and cruel to other humans. They just don't do it anywhere near as often. We took the female genes from the young women who protested too, again after careful screening. There are some male descendants still in the tower, but they're not part of my work. Not now. Windrush looked surprised. You are still working? Indeed. I have two concerns. First, my work right now is about Trill. I need to see what is best for her at this stage of her life. From what I have seen of the data, she is quick to learn, and given some exposure to other lifestyles, I'm hopeful we will find something to suit her. Now she turned to me. We aren't being very well-mannered, are we, Trill? Talking about you as if you aren't here in the room. What do you think about what you've learnt? I looked from one to the other. Two real people I had met for the first time today. In many ways they scared me. And yet there was definitely something different about them, something so very different from Crander and Blynn. They talked about pleasure in a way I had no notion about. And all that talk of removing the old elites from the breeding programme, I felt overwhelmed. In the past few days I'd been afraid in ways I didn't know existed. I'd been hungry, thirsty, dirty, damaged, tired. I wanted to go back to my apartment to my real angel, to Crander and Blynn, to proper fortune days, to a safe, clean, properly controlled place. I thought I did. And yet there was a strange sort of attraction to all these new, and I was very sure they were new and had never happened before, happenings, wasn't I? I don't know what I think, I said. I'm not sure what is real and what isn't any more. How do I know this isn't some strange new programme that's been introduced onto the vert? Not Angel beamed and clapped her hands. There! I knew she showed signs of possibilities. She grinned at Windrush. She'll be asking next if we aren't all staring at a cave wall looking at shadows made by puppet masters. Sorry? said Windrush. Oh, ancient philosophy from long before the dark times. It's about human perception. How do we know what is real? And here is a woman with a minimal of deep education asking about that very question. Brilliant! I think she's going to do well. Suddenly, I had this desire to open my mouth wide, letting out air, and at the same time stretching my arms. I think Madame Trill is tired, said Windrush. How do you know? I said. I think we all are said Not Angel, copying what I had just done. Because you yawned, said Windrush. It's a sign of tiredness. I think, 
perhaps, your days were carefully structured before now, and this normal human reaction has been suppressed. She too did the open mouth thing. It's catching, she said. We all need rest. Do you have a chosen bedroom, Dr. Yates? I do, Windrush. It's been quite a few days since I was revived, and have settled to this place quite comfortably. I'll show you. Not Angel opened a door to one side I'd barely noticed, to reveal a short passage. This led to a square open space from which other rooms could be seen. She gestured to one in the corner. I've chosen that one, just because I like the colour. Other than that, they're all the same. I turned in a circle. Each room seemed to have a bed and some drawers. Each one had a different colour scheme. The HF is down there, she continued, and there are sleep clothes in the drawers. Well, why don't you go on ahead? I looked at the remaining rooms and picked out one in light and dark blues. Why was I just doing what they told me to do? I didn't know if I trusted them, but everything felt so heavy in my head, and my body felt heavy too. I couldn't summon up any more resistance. But at least I could get away from them a bit, surely. How does the door close, I said. Like this, said Windrush. She took a light hold of part of the wall, and it glided shut. You see? I copied her action in reverse, and the door opened. Yes, I see. I went to use the HF. When I returned, the two of them sat on a sofa in the central space, though now wearing what I assumed to be their night clothes. Good night, Madam Trill, said Windrush. Sleep well. Yes, said Nurse Angel, sleep well. We have a very busy day tomorrow. Call if you need anything, said Windrush. I shut the wall door and opened a drawer. There were various looking clothes that looked comfortable enough for sleep, simple and without style. As I slipped into bed, I could still hear the low whispered conversation taking place in the space beyond my door. I doubted I would sleep soon, but the bed felt so luxurious after days without a real one, and the cover just the right weight, that my head soon found a very well-supported spot on the pillow. The lights were dimming. I felt I was almost sleeping. My limbs relaxed. What did not Angel mean about a busy day? I didn't know. Too concerned, she said. First me, Trill. But what was the second? And what was that concern? For a while I lay there, so many thoughts chasing each other, listening as the voices faded away. Some beautiful sounds began to fill my head. They reminded me of the sleep sounds my angel used to send me. Was it safe to sleep? I had slept in the chamber without fear, but here two real humans were lying in beds, just like mine, not far away. Was I safe? I should try to stay awake. Such beautiful, relaxing sounds. End of part nine. Continue to part ten. Subscribe for future updates. Share and rate this record to promote future historical research. Visit losteartharchive.com to support continued restoration of this vital project, Terminating Connections.